This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is probably supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome again to Cottage Talk, and joining me right now is Janusz Janais and Max Cohen. This is our post-match show of Fulham's 2-0 victory against Preston North End at Craven Cottage. We have a lot to get through, guys, but let's start, as I've been doing lately, let's talk about what Scott Parker shared after the match from the head coach presser. So I'm going to start with this part here, which really deals with his thoughts coming out of the match. So I'll just read this and get your thoughts on it. Here we go. This is from Scott Parker. Quote, I think in the first 20 minutes, we had to weather a bit of a storm. Preston had a day extra in their recovery, having played Tuesday night, and felt they put pressure on us. I thought they had the better of it, but the longer the half went on, we grew into the game. We cut through at times at halftime, and coming into the second half, I always thought the first goal would be crucial, which is a typical championship game. We managed to get that, and then after the goal, We were in the ascendancy. They put some bodies up there and went more direct. Again, I thought we defended our own box very well, unquote. Okay, Mr. Cohen, over to you first. Thoughts on what I just shared from the head coach presser from Scott Parker, and feel free to share your thoughts on the match. Yeah, I think we did get quite lucky with the first goal. As Parker said, first goal in the championship is always going to be vital. And the flick on from Nugent, the hilarious own goal, really benefited us. Because although I think we were playing quite well in the start of the second half, I didn't necessarily see a massive amount of clear-cut chances. Uh, Declan Rudd didn't have to make a huge amount of saves in the Preston goal. And the fact that we got that own goal um, early on in the second half, I think really benefited us. But I thought we were, we were professional. You know, I thought we actually dominated possession without creating a massive amount. But it was more attacking possession. We looked more dangerous than we had in the past. And I thought it was a really good um, improvement in building on what we did Wednesday against Swansea. We looked more in the mood, and I think a big part of that is Tom Kearney. As we were talking about before he we went on air, Kearney's been a revelation past two matches, whether that's because he's playing in a deeper position or Josh Arnum is not in there, gives him more freedom. Harry Arderin plays better with him. Who knows? But I think Kearney definitely has been more instrumental, and that's been a big part of why we're two wins in a row right now. 
Okay, excellent. And I tend to agree with you with uh, the improvement we've seen from Tom Kearney. I think that has made a huge difference, but there are other factors as well. Mr. Janaeus, your thoughts on what Max shared, what Scott Parker shared after the match, and also your own comments. Well, pretty accurate. I mean, it, personal thing for me, I've got a, I've got more respect from that club than most in this division. And, and for a number of reasons, for me, they've always struck me as a, a very professional football club. Alex Neal's done a very good job there. We've really, with no names, I mean, their best known player is probably Nugent. And with the funds that they have, they're batting, you know, they're, they're hitting, they're punching above their weight. And um, we did get a bit of luck. I mean, of all people, it's going to be Nugent. Um, <laughs> the scores for us. I mean, you, you do what you've got to do. But having said that, I thought it was a, it was a very good game. I watched it all. They played very well at the start. And then we got back into the game. And I really didn't think there, was going, there were going to be any goals. Um, and then uh, then that, uh, you know, unfortunate goal. But there were some, some very, very good performances. And um, but Preston, I, I'll tell you, if, if we finish third of all the potential teams that we could bump into the playoffs, the three to six, the one team that scares me more, more than any other is actually Preston. Because all, I would agree with that. Yeah, they're defensively very, very well organized. They're, um, they're a very, very well, they're a big, strong, big, strong team. And Bowen Davis did a, a really good job on, on Mitra, they really snuffed him out. Um, they've got Barkhazen, who I think is one of the best players in the division, um, who we managed to keep quiet. But on a on another day, he, he usually causes mayhem. And you've got Maguire on the other side, um, who's a busy little player that causes problems as well. If they've got any faults, really, it's where really the attacking prowess comes from. But they're a, they're a good professional outfit. So when you look back on it, it's a good win. It is I a good win. nothing flatters us, to be honest. But it's a good win. And... Um, It'll be good. We've got City next week. They're absolutely desperate for points, as you know. And then we've got the Brentford. And uh, Brentford now are going to start getting worried that it's not about bragging rights. It's getting points to stay in the They've not won a game in five. So That's right. it's getting exciting, Russ. It's getting exciting. <laughs> we could become party poopers as well as challenging for the top two. Absolutely. It's good stuff there, my friend. All right. Let's move on. And another theme from the head coach presser, which we're going to talk about right now is really him talking about a winning mentality. And I agree with this because the more you win, you're really going to continue to have this mentality and coming off of last season. I think this is huge that we're now winning these matches, finding ways to win. I think it does instill this winning mentality. So this is what Scott Parker shared about that. And Mr. Cohen, I'll go to you quote, this team last season were used to losing football matches, and in the space of three months, they were suddenly expected to win every game. Teams that come up from the Premier League, such as Sheffield United, are used to winning games, take it up with them, and become easier. That, to me, is a mindset. Over a course of a year, what I've tried to do is to get them to understand embracing expectation and seeing the bigger picture. You need to have a character. Wednesday night showed that having missed a penalty, stop them from scoring, then go and nick it at the end. We're slowly getting there. But hopefully they'll realize that can make us successful, unquote. Okay, Max, winning mentality. I think this is huge, and I'm glad that he brought up what happened last season because to get that stink off you I think takes time. I think they now have this winning mentality. I think we're starting to see it. And I think these two wins epitomizes 
the change we're seeing from Fulham. Yeah, I think Parker bringing up that point is a major uh, factor that's left out of, of much of the Parker in, Parker out conversation. Is that <laughs> the team that's used to losing, number one. And number two, I think it's so difficult for a team to bounce right back up from relegation to get promoted the next season. It's a rare thing that happens. It's very difficult to do. And I think that's not really spoken about enough when we're talking about Parker, how's he doing as a manager. Right. Quite a few teams bounce right back up, you know. It's very difficult. So to be, to do, to be doing what we're doing right now is impressive in and of itself. And people can talk about the good squad and whatever. But I still think it needs to be said that we're third right now. That is a feat. That's a very impressive feat. Okay, excellent. And, and second of all, I think the winning mentality, I, I think, is important. But also, it's, it's better the last two matches because, yes, we've won. But I think even though it's been tight, we've been the better side in both matches. Whereas early on in the season or even in January, during that kind of January, February run of form we had and we were winning, I don't think we were deserving the win. I think those those matches, I'm thinking of Blackburn, Hull, probably should have been draws, in my opinion. And we barely squeaked it out. Whereas I think the Preston and Swansea matches, even though it was a tight margin of victory, we were clearly the better side. That's a positive for me heading into the final 10 or so matches. Okay, excellent there. All right, Giannis, I want to get your thoughts on this. And while Max was talking, I was just thinking about the losing mentality Fulham had last season. And I also think it affected them at the beginning of the season. I think of that very first match because you still have a lot of players that were used to losing. And look what happened against Barnsley. I I don't know how much of a factor, but let's just say I think it was a factor in the beginning of the season. I think it took them a while to get rid of this losing stink that has stuck with them for a very long time. Well, now they flipped the script, and I think winning these close matches, this goes back to this mentality, I think is massive for Fulham. So I want your thoughts on his comments, talking about Scott Parker, Max's, and mine as well. I'm I'm a bit hesitant on this one because we had, had, if only because, I mean, our last game of the season, we lost 4-0 out of Newcastle. But we had a good run before that. And then we we did have pre-season. Now, yeah, we had a, a, I think a win a couple of our last game. I think it was against Wet Spam. We lost them at the cottage, but I, I think it's. Um, I'm not so sure because the close season is a couple of months. You've got time to recover from that. Da da da. Psychological stuff. Yada yada. I agree about the runs. I mean, I'm going to use a good example. Wigan Athletic. Wigan right now, I think a seven eight on unbeaten. They're playing very very well. Got a really good result at the Hawthorns just the afternoon. And when you go on one of these runs, it, it does it does build confidence. And I was um, I read an interview with Wigan Manager last night, and he said fans had come up to me and said, "Well, what, you know, what are you doing any different from what you were doing at the start of the season when you're in the bottom three? And and he said, "I'm not doing anything different. We're just <laughs> repetition. And finally, we're getting things. We're doing it the way we want. We should be doing it through practice, and we're grinding out results as a result. And you do need a little bit of luck. Yesterday, Nugent of all, you know, I think he. He slightly mistimed his jump. I think there was a problem with the sun um, coming from other stands. I know in terms of defending defending that end, but um, you know you could it, it's it, it's habit, 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 and then sometimes you get a, you know a little bit of luck. I still think the Wednesday night against Swansea was a, a bit of luck. I mean, Mitro and his you know was a, his approach to the penalty was a little arrogant. But his bacon got saved by Brian's brilliant challenge. And then, you know, that incredible cost by camera that got him, you know, got brought some redemption. But um, I think he, I think Parker simplified a little, uh, it a little bit. 
Um, I do think winning is a habit, but I think you've got to work hard to develop a habit that becomes a winning habit. Right. And and the best players have to show up, Russ. Tom Kearney has played well the last couple of games. What and, do you put that um, down to, Giannis? We were just talking about this off air. He looks he looks like he's playing more as a number eight, and 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 I'm good with that. And I'm going to give some credit to Harry Arter. I think I think Arter yesterday was excellent. He he he's coming for a lot of stick this year. But if you watch him week in week out for for Bournemouth, he's not just a shit outer. You know, he's 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 an effective player. He, he really is. And yesterday, if you watch what he was doing, a lot of there was a lot of um, I watched the game for a second time last night. And one of the things I noticed was how he was charging the cavalry in terms of the verbals to his players, in terms of positioning and discipline and, and, and in terms of movement and, and providing options, you know, a few seconds before each pass, which I thought was great. I thought, you know, in terms of a leadership game, Arta played very well and he's provided a little bit of space and a bit of time for Kearney to work his magic. And that... Is a team thing, but there were there were other players on the field I thought did a, a very similar job, but Arta I think is really helping Kenny out right now, and that's just why Stephanie Johansson isn't getting a look in, which may be a bit unfortunate. He's a great option to bring off the bench late on, but Arta's playing well right now. He's playing well enough to be playing at the start, so uh, it, it, it's an interesting, interesting situation. The next few games, are, well, you know, you guys know, they're gonna be tough. But I think the position we're in right now, I think the pressure's off a little bit. Yeah. Because the teams we're going to be playing are desperate for wins to get into the top six. And Bristol City have not played well recently. And Brentford, sorry, the fodder, um, are having a, bit, a few struggles. Draw at Cardiff yesterday. They were 2 nothing up down in Wales. They thought they could get three points out of that. And they've only picked up one, I think, one point in the last five. So they're struggling a little bit. So hopefully that momentum can take us forward and get some good results. And maybe either the Weedies or West uh, Wet Bum can um, can slip up. We're only five, six points behind them now. That's right. That's right. Very good there, my friend. All right. I have a couple more talking points that I think are, have come out of this match. And this one actually, I think, ha- is basically part A and Part B. Let's start with part A. Let's just talk about Joe Bryan, Giannis. I'll go to you first. Let's talk about him going down and Cyrus Christie coming in. Of course, then you have Dennis Adoy taking his place, and then, of course, Cyrus Christie going to right back. So I want to talk about Joe Bryan's injury in the second part of this, but let's just talk about the impact of that. Let's talk about right now just the player coming on, and how it changed the match for Fulham. We talked about this on full-time. I want your view of how that injury actually changed the match, because I think it did. Yeah, I mean, if you look at I mentioned before the, the wide players, you've got Barquez and then you've got Maguire. So you've got Barquez on right and Maguire left. So Joe Bryan, who's been playing very well, pulls up with a hamstring, really unfortunate. The value of Mr. Adoy. Jesus Christ! You can you can stick him sweeping sweeping the floors, uh, waving the flags, going out and getting you know halftime teas. This guy can do everything. So now you stick him in at left back. So you've got Barkays on on that side. And I thought Brian was having a bit of difficulty early on with Barkays. And I thought first ten fifteen minutes Preston were very very good. Yeah. And they created a couple of half chances. And and we were struggling a little bit on that left hand side. 
Now you bring Cyrus Christie into play at right back and he's got to deal with Maguire. But the problem with Maguire is he's not brilliant defensively. He likes to push, but if the fullback's going to push and make those 20, 30, 35-yard runs, you're going to have a problem in terms of cover. And one of the things that Joe Bryan's injury did is it allowed, really, Cyrus Christie to, to, to roam. I, I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm going to say it ahead, uh, ahead of time. On the f- Facebook site, I, I said that I thought that um, I thought Hector and Arthur were excellent yesterday, but my man of the match was was, was um, Cyrus Christie because, first of all, um, it's difficult to come off the bench, you know, 15, 20 in and, and no warm-up and going, and going, you know, into a high-thrust game against a difficult opponent. But secondly, he did a really good job on Maguire and he made a couple of really good runs forward and he, and he could have scored as well. And um, it seemed to be a different matchup. Odoi, Odoi did a, a masterclass job, I thought, on Barkhazen. And all of a sudden, really, their, their, their wide threat was nullified. Um, it's just one of those things, sometimes out of negative come positive. I hope yeah. that um, JB is going to be okay. I suspect he's going to be out for a few weeks, in which case, um, uh, Christie and um, Christie and Adoy will probably be in the same positions with Sessignon as the backup there, um, because we've got no Kungola and we've got no Mawson, we've got no Marchand. So we're short at the back. Um, but I agree, it did make a change, and, but Christie was immense when he came on, absolutely immense. And he could have scored his first goal for two years, and the last time yeah. he scored, I believe, was against us for Middlesbrough at the college. So, I um, I, I, yeah, it made a, a huge change, and it seemed to settle us down. And I think from that point on, they really, Preston really ran out of ideas. Okay, excellent. And that's where I want to start with talking about Joe Bryan's injury, and uh, I don't wish an injury on anyone. I I hope he returns soon because he's still very valuable to Fulham. And we'll oh, talk huge. about we'll talk about the injury and how long he could potentially be out in just a second. So I want to focus on that in just a bit because I want to go to Max first because I just want to get your thoughts, Max, on the impact of the injury and what Yanish just said. Because uh, we'll talk about man of the match at the end. I've already said man of the match for me, Cyrus Christie. Giannis has said the same thing. And uh, it was good to see how he came on, but I don't think you can forget about the fact that Dennis Adoy stepped up and, and how valuable he is as well. So your thoughts about him going out injured, we're talking about Joe Bryan, and how it affected Fulham going forward in this match. I'm more worried about what it says long-term, as Giannis mentioned. Yep. It's, a, it's a crisis at the back. I mean, think about it, you know. Mawson, Congola, Lamar. What's up with Lamarchand? First of all, I haven't heard about him. He's not in the squad. I assume he's not going to be featured. But then I think the only defender we have on the bench will be Stephen Session, right? Yes. If, if the back four is Reem, Hector, Adoy, and Christie, that's, that's so little cover. I mean, we always have Adoy who can play center back as well. But that, that's nerve-wracking because someone pulled a hamstring as Brian did. Someone goes down injured. It's so weak. And despite all the reinforcements we tried to get, I mean, I think the club did quite well to realize defense was an issue, getting Hector, getting Congolo in. But <laughs> we're, we're still short, and the injuries have hit us so hard. Uh, it, it, this season seems more so than, than past season. I think we can all agree the injury crisis uh, is a real thing. I don't know why that is. We can have theories. But hopefully everyone just stays fit in the running because, God forbid, something like Hector goes down. I, I really don't know where foam goes from there. Okay. Very good there, 
Max, because that was going to lead me to talk about the impact of the injury. And uh, what really got me to start thinking about this was yesterday when uh, I saw this from our co-host, Mike Gregg. He just tweeted this out coming from the um, Scott Parker uh, comments on uh, Joe Bryan. Mike actually tweeted this. Massive blow to us leaves us only Cess as a first-team defender as backup. And, Max, that goes exactly what, what you're talking about. You're just more concerned about cover. But also, I think I don't think we can discount that Joe Bryan is a valuable part of Fulham Football Club. And, again, we, we only have to go back one match to see his tackle. Now, I know he has his detractors, but I think overall he has done a solid job for Fulham. I think yes, for sure. And what we've seen recently is the attacking um, prowess really coming in. I think his assists have been vital this season. And one thing I want to mention is I'd say essentially all of our goals this season, or the vast majority of them, have come from crosses. We are such a crossing team. That's how we score. Balls in out wide, and some in the middle gets on the end of it. And Brian has been a massive part of that. Yep. So that he's honestly the biggest part of our attacking play in that sense because I think he's one of the best crossover balls in the entire team consistently putting in great deliveries. Um, and Mitrovic has been the one who's benefited the most out of that. So to miss that delivery definitely is big. I don't think Adoy has that delivery from the left when he played there yesterday. And Christie played excellent, excellently in an attacking sense. But I really do worry about his consistency in terms of putting balls in the box. As we saw in the Premier League last year, that's one of his big weaknesses. But hopefully he can get better. And he actually, yeah. as Giannis mentioned, he has two shots yesterday to get a good, good goal. That's right. One was nearly wide, one was well saved. If we see that attacking sense, that's almost like a Ryan Fredericks type figure, I think, on the right back for us. Very interesting you say that because I think Fulham have missed Ryan Fredericks. I'm yeah. glad that you talked about him. All right. Yeah, it's over to you. I, w- I want to get you to talk a little bit about this as well. I know we've already talked about Joe Bryan's injury, the yeah. impact of it, but Max brings up some good points because he is a good crosser of the ball. But as someone that has watched players go down in other sports, and of course with Fulham as well, it really is that next man up mentality. I like the fact that Cyrus Christie stepped up. Can Cyrus Christie be that crosser of the ball on a regular basis with Joe Bryan out? And how big of a loss is Joe Bryan right now to you, Giannis? Well, I, I, I'm not. Um, could Christie be the one that provides the crosses? Um, certainly, but but there is, a, I think, a bigger issue in terms of, and we talk about the crossing of the ball here. I think yep. we need this. one of one of the negatives for me that come out of the the came out of yesterday's game is that Knockart and Cavalera have to do a better job. They've I got to totally do a agree. Job yeah, I, I think they've been I think they've been sort of hiding in the weeds a little bit and escaping a bit of criticism. But if it comes to the point where we're relying on our fullbacks to get the crosses in, I think you see, I think we need to start asking questions about the the forwards there and what they're doing to service players like like Mitro. And I think that, um, to me, Caballero is, he scores spectacular goals, but he's not consistent enough in his crossing. I think Knockhart at the moment, and he's, he's had some good games, but for me, he's too individualistic. With someone like Joe Bryan going down, um, what you need to do now is you've got to look at Caballero and say, well, if Adoy's there, Adoy's not the person you're going to really be looking for for the crosses. That's right. So Caballero's got to do a much, much better job in terms of, you know, I don't think he does a necessarily a good enough job when, you know, when Brian goes over, pushes up in terms of cover. But I need to see some more attacking prowess in terms of distribution of the box. He's that's where he needs to step up. Same with Knockout, and I think this is really where a lot of Fulham fans are getting a little upset. And I, 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 I understand this. 
Camera came off the bench on, on Wednesday night against Swansea. Fantastic goal. Brilliant cross. That break for the second goal was absolutely outstanding. When he's come off the bench, he's done the job. The qu- and you know he will try and get crosses in. Absolutely. And where's, where's this consistency from knockout? I'm not seeing it right now. So, I, I mean, for the Bristol City game, I would start Cameron because you know he will get crosses in. His speed, if anybody questioned his speed, that breakaway yesterday, yesterday for the second goal told you everything you need oh, to Oh, absolutely. And maybe Cavaliero can learn a lesson from the, that second goal because he could have taken it on, but he decided to knock it back to, to, to Boo Boo. Very unselfish play. Well, that's distribution in itself. And whether it's a six-yard pass across the box or a nice cross from out wide, you're still trying to find someone. And I'm, that's the consistency we're going to need with Joe Bryan gone. Christie can do it to a point, but yep. on his side, you need someone else who can do it. And that's where the camp, Boo-Boo can fit in and, and Knockart and Cavalier are very, very inconsistent. I totally agree, Giannis. And I'm glad that you brought this up because this is something the guys were talking about last night on uh, Full Time. We were talking about, really, we were focusing more on Cavalero because Emilio was way down on Cavalero in this match. Forget about the end. He just thought that he was extremely poor, and he wanted to point that out. But we also talked about what Craig Coben said earlier in the season, that these two players might not be built for Scott Parker's system, and that could be part of the problem. But why should we give them a free pass? Why can't they cross the ball better, Giannis? And and that's a good point for you because, again, we could talk about the system all we want, that maybe they're better suited for other systems. But why can't they cross the ball better, Giannis? Absolutely. And they're professionals and they're wingers. And why else are you, doing, why else are you the wingers? You've got the best centre forward of the championship in the air in Mitro, who will run his bollocks off. We know that. We know the value of Joe Bryan uh, obviously uh, moving forward in terms of ability to run overlaps and get crosses in. But that should be an expectation from Scotty from his strikers, and he doesn't get that on a consistent level. And that's why, I, instead of you know, questioning the ability of the replacement fullbacks to do a Joe Bryan, can a Doy do a Bryan? Can Christie you know, slot in at right back to do these overlapping runs to get the crosses? How about the bloody strikers up there in the first place that can service Mitro in the same way that Boo Boo did on Wednesday night with that Christ cross? That's, that's what we're looking for. So I'm not, I'm not prepared to give um, Knockout and Carrier a free pass. I don't, I don't think they deserve it. I think there needs to be better production for them. And I'm not talking about scoring goals. Better production. Yep. Better team play. Not team individualistic play. gravy. They're gravy players. We yep. need meat and potatoes. Let, I let, totally let, agree, Giannis. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I'm glad that you're bringing this up. And I want to bring Max into this because, again, we've talked a lot about these two players. And when you watch them play, they want to take on their opponent. They want to go after them. But I'm glad that you brought up this word. They're very individualistic. We need them to be team players. Max, what are your thoughts about what Giannis is talking about? And also what we've been talking about, what I talked about last night with the guys on full-time, that we're not seeing the best out of these two players, Cavallaro and Knockout. We've talked about this a lot. And the system might not be the best for them, but why can't they cross the ball better? Why can't they be more team players than they are? They are very individualistic. Your thoughts? I think part of it is just the nature of being a winger. You know, wingers are not players who are going to get, or for the most part, they're not players who get down and dirty, get stuck in, pass first players. They're players, just by nature of position, who get drawn to silky skills, elaborate plays, and honestly doing it for themselves. I think mean, that sums up Knockart. I think it's a little bit unfair to bring Cavalier in that category with Knockart. I think Knockart is very much 
a me first player. I think Cavalier is a bit different, but you're right. Both of them have not been at their best because when we signed them and we talk about this a lot, as you just said, Russ, yep. that was the best front three in the division. That was arguably a Premier League front three. Absolutely. Cavalier, Mitch Rich and Knockart. And it hasn't been like that at all this season. No. Because honestly, our, our attacking production in recent matches has been pretty poor. We don't score tons of goals. The defense has been better than the attack, which is kind of crazy to think about considering where we're at. But to, to get to your guys' point, I think it, it's this is tough. I think one thing I saw when I, when I was watching the matches is that the crosses come from really poor positions and that the players aren't getting to the byline enough and cutting balls back. Every single cross is right in front of the defense. And that's why I think we struggle a bunch with Cavalier and Knockart, especially because they're um, sometimes playing on the wings where they, they want to cut in. They want to cut in, and right. And then you can't really get to the byline and, and, and use your left foot if you're on the right, right? It's, it's more natural to use the right foot on the right wing, and they're not playing in that position. That hurts them because I think automatically crosses when you're in behind the defense and you're more dangerous than when the def- center backs can look right at it, see it. That's their meat and potatoes, right? But I don't really have a massive problem right now with what's going on because I think Abubakar Kamara, who we're going to talk about later, yep. has found the perfect position for him, which is coming on in the last 15 minutes and terrorizing defenses. If Knockart and Cavalera can wear down them for 70, 75 minutes, you bring in AK-47, it's a different story. Okay. And he's been so excellent in the past couple matches. Yes. Because it exploited how tired the defense has been, and he's, I think, he's our most effective winger right now. But it's weird because you don't even want to start him because he's so good coming on late. Well, that's a question that I want to bring up. That's my last talking point before we move on, guys. And I'm glad that you guys already started talking about Kamar because it's uh, an obvious topic right now because he's been effective coming off of the bench late in these matches when teams are tired. Giannis, I'll go to you first because you've already talked about Kamara. Could he be a starter again? I know we've talked about this many times. Or he's more effective in his role because he is really maturing in front of us. Like I said, crossing the ball, team guy now. Uh, you know, I'm not saying he wasn't before, but it's really coming through. He's all about the team. I can see it. So should he be starting now? Should we be giving him a shot when we're talking about how Cavallaro and Knockhart are just not getting it done the way we need it getting done? Or does it take away from you from having someone so effectively off the bench in the last 15 minutes? What are your thoughts about all of this with Kamara? I, well, I'd start. I'd start them against City. Um, I'd start them against City, and I'd do it for one reason to reward him. And I think it. You can do. You know, I, I think he's earned the right and uh, stick Noki on the bench, and then him losing his place should be hopefully a kick up the arse, and so that when he comes on, and I'm sure he would come on, then he's he does what he's supposed to do. I mean, that's I, to me that's the way it should be. He's he's um he's been a super sub. He's been an impact sub, and I think. Um, I think you reward players like that. You say, you know, when I, you come off the bench, I ask you to do a job. You've done your job. It's been extremely productive. You can start. But I do it on the road. Do it away from home so you can, you can terrorize Bristol City on, that, on, that, on the left-hand side and see what happens. I, so I would – do I think he's a starter? Well, there are question marks on that one. But do I think he should start now? Yes, I do. I think with the games coming up now, what the hell? Nothing. We're in a good position in terms of playoffs with – you know we're we're yeah we're in a good position. We're chasing the two two above, but I think it's tougher to be the chased than to be to be the chaser. So you know there's going to I mean West Brom slept up against um, Wigan. Wigan. I know that Leeds won at Hull at Schmoll, sorry, but then you know they lost Casillas to that 
suspension. Um, but um, you know what? Um, they've got some tricky games coming up. I don't think it's necessarily going to be easy. So why not stick him up there and see see what he can do? I think he's he's in the right. So I would start him against City. Okay, excellent. All right, guys, so let's move on. Let's talk about the starting eleven and the eighteen overalls as we normally do in the show. Max, over to you first. Your thoughts? Unchanged from Wednesday. Uh, no complaints about that. Maybe a bit surprised because you know two games in such a short span. Maybe it's some squad rotation, but I couldn't complain. I thought it was an excellent uh, starting eleven. It worked against. Uh, Swansea. And then again, what we were just talking about, Kamara coming off the bench, that's when you have to see penciled in and it worked the treat. Okay, excellent. Giannis, your thoughts on the starting 11 and the 18 overall? No, um, no question from my end from um, our lineup. Um, the one thing I noticed about Preston's lineup, interestingly, I was a little bit relieved that they did start Nugent because I thought Stockley would start. I think Stockley would have given us a little bit more of a problem, a little bit more pace. And, um, you know, he's, he's poor old Nugent. He's an evergreen lad. He's, but he's, he's, he's actually in many ways similar to Boo Boo because he, he can be an impact sub. Um, I, so I thought that they were going to start Stockley instead of Nugent, but they didn't. That was okay. And our lineup, you know, r- really, I mean, was there a question mark whether Steph Joe could come in for Harry Arter? Mm, yeah, possibly. Um, but apart from that, really no complaints. Okay, excellent. All right, guys, coming up, we're going to talk about all the key moments in both halves of this football match. And then later on, we'll go through the stats. And we're going to end with a discussion on man of the match. I did a poll on the Cottage Talk Twitter page, and I have the results from that. We'll be sharing that in just a bit. Okay, guys, let's get into the first half. And as we've been talking about, and Scott Parker mentioned as well, it's pretty well known that Preston North End started very brightly. So I want to give them credit for that because they definitely did. And uh, it started early on because you have uh, – they had a goal disallowed because McGuire was uh, was offside. It, it came from play of a corner, but it was more than that. They were really pressing hard, and I, I think they deserve credit for that. Obviously, we also have already talked about the injury to Joe Bryan, and you have Cyrus Christie coming on. That was all early. But Fulham did weather the storm. Thankfully, they weathered the storm. They created some half chances themselves in the 14th minute. You have Knockout's header from Christie. In the uh, 21st minute, you have a shot by Bobby Decadover-Reed that just goes wide. And then in the 40th minute, you have a save from uh, Merrick Rodak off of an opportunity from Brown. And to end the half, you have a shot by Cyrus Christie. Cyrus Christie was trying to score a goal, so I want to give him credit for that. So those were just some of the moments – Mr. Janaeus, I'll go to you first. Just your overall assessment of the first half. Preston got off to a flyer. Um, I thought they were very good coming out of the box. And then it took us, I think, 20-odd minutes to get into the, to the pace of the game. Um, and things that they've got to take into account. Um, the wind at the cottage. I mean, at the, it's, you've got a three-sided stadium, <laughs> and one side is the River Thames. And... Um, the conditions certainly weren't easy. Um, Preston took them quickly, and they would have been very disappointed. They had a, a really—I actually watched that game in the week. They had a loss. Um, they lost up at West Brom, and and um, Alex Neal post-match conference was very disappointed and uh, thought his boys were poor. I don't. I just think they got off to a very slow start. And West Brom are the sort of team that if they get, you know, if they establish control early, they're difficult. They're really difficult to get the ball off. Um, but they came out, 
with a flyer, and then we sort of made our way in. But at half time, nil nil was about the first first score line. Um, I thought if anything was going to be created, it was really through set pieces. Um, but I think both teams would have been fairly ha- happy going in the break. Okay, excellent. Max, over to you. My assessment of the first half is that, first of all, Preston North End came to play. They, they were going to take it to Fulham. And I'm glad that Giannis mentioned uh, their prior match because I watched the highlights from that. And they, their approach is their approach. They're not afraid of anyone. So they came in here looking for all three points, and they, they had that mentality, especially early on. And then Fulham, as we mentioned, weathered the storm and were able to get more into the match. What were your thoughts about the first half and and also at halftime, just thinking back to that first half? I was very impressed with Barkhoiser on the right wing. I thought he was excellent. Uh, He was a really, he was a big danger man, caused Joe Bryan to pull up. um, And I think a lot of their attacks centered down that wing. This loud goal was, it was a big moment. I think Uh, it's unclear whether that flick on off the corner was heading towards goal, whether Maguire needed to touch it, but I think that might've been a wake up call for us. Yep. Because towards the end of the half, I think we did have more sustained uh, possession. Christie got a good shot off. Um, and we looked a bit more likely. But again, it wasn't a great start from us playing against another top six side. We looked, we didn't like mask it up for it. It wasn't a massive start like it was against Swansea. But you're right, no nil was perfectly poised. Not a lot in it, though. Not many goal scoring opportunities. And then, as we talked about in the second half, that goal was so crucial. So yes. crucial because I didn't necessarily see us scoring. It's interesting that you said that because uh, when I was thinking about it at halftime, I thought this could be exactly how you just said it. I, I thought it was going to be a goalless draw. It, it just had that feel to it. It felt like both teams were negating each other and no one was really going to be able to get a goal. And uh, that's going to lead us talking about the second half. And uh, Fulham actually had an opportunity ahead of Mitro in the 56th minute. Nothing really more to talk about on that. But one minute later, off of a corner, Giannis, I'll give you the honors here. It's an own goal from David Nugent, and I asked Craig this last night. How do you feel about this as a foam supporter, that this is how we got the goal that basically was the difference in the match? Do you feel that, okay, you know, everything works out for itself? It was created from, you know, again, from the opponent, David Nugent. Actually, Craig brought up a very interesting point, Giannis. He thought it was karma because of the uh, goals that David Nugent scored at Pride Park a few years ago against Fulham. And that was uh, yeah. <laughs> the ending for uh, David Button, actually. So, so he's like, oh, it, what goes around comes around. So so he, he took it that way. Take us through this goal. And, and also, as a Fulham supporter, how did you feel about that this is how we went ahead? Well, the second thing first, I don't care if it hits a granny on the, on, on the nose. <laughs> it gives her a nosebleed off the stand and goes in the top left. I mean, I, I had a parent many years ago, guys, and this is actually true. Uh, we, it was a league game I was coaching in, and we scored the winner from a penalty. And the mum came up to me and said, yeah, man, it's nice to win, but it was from a penalty. I mean, it doesn't really count. And I said, what, what, just what are you talking about? <laughs> like, really? Dirty here. Come on. Sort it out. It doesn't matter how it goes. It was interesting because it was a knockout, it was a knockout cross. Yes, it was. If you, look at, if you look at Nugent's reaction, I think he – I've seen, I've replayed it about half a dozen times, and I think, I think the wind took it a little bit. He's, he's, first, I thought he, I think he misjudged it. Yes, I think he misjudged it. The wind took it a bit because he's very, very good in the air. You know, and he's one of these attackers you really want to come back and, and have in your six yard box of defense set pieces. 
And I think the wind slightly took it, and he's and that as a result he's misjudged it. And it's, I mean, a bit terrible. I mean, it's you all. It's like actually, I sort of feel like when a goalkeeper scores a goal on another goalkeeper, you you sort of don't really celebrate. You know you've scored a goal, but you feel yeah. bad for the keeper because that's it, it, there's a code there. And I think it was one of those things where he's he's gone up, it's flighted there. It's not necessarily knockouts, brilliance. It's in swinging, of course. It's gone in. I mean, you take it. You know, Wenger used to say, you know, decisions come full circle. Right. Weird things come full circle. And that was just one of those. You know, it's just it was just a really really odd. Then keep it. I mean, Declan Rudd had absolutely no chance, and now we're in the lead, and really that's all we needed. Um, yeah, totally agree. That from that point, I really didn't see, in terms of the way they were setting up, I really didn't see where their goal was going to, if they were going to equalise, unless it was from a set piece. I just, I thought that's the that's the backbreaker, and we should be able to hold on. And, well, it turned out good from that point on. And, again, it goes back to just getting the goal, like you said, Giannis, any way that possible. You know, it doesn't matter how it happens. They got the goal, and that changed the match. And mm-hmm. Fulham really were, as Scott Parker said in, in the presser, in the ascendancy and really controlled the match from that point on. But, of course, we still have nervy moments at the end, Max, and we'll talk about that in a second. But, listen, Fulham did create some opportunities. Cyrus Christie in the 75th minute had another opportunity. You have a shot by Archer in the 79th minute, shot by Kearney in the 84th. A really good opportunity. This goes back to Cavallero. He had it, but he slipped, and that would have been an opportunity for him, but he slipped. And then that takes us to the 89th minute. Now, Marek Rodak didn't have much to do, Max. But again, as Giannis mentioned, this is off a free kick. This was going to be the way that Preston North End were going to score. If they were going to score, it was going to be off of the set piece. That's just the way the match was going. So, again, after not doing much in this match, he did a little in the first half. Give me your thoughts on the save by Merrick Rodak in the, in the 89th minute. Again, he steps up. He just does his job. Your thoughts? Oh, it's huge. It was such a dangerous free kick. You kind of had a feeling, as you mentioned, this is how they would have got back into it. And it was struck, I think, essentially straight at him, but it's a great reaction save just to palm it out. Because when it's an in-swinger like that, everyone's piling towards the goal and even if he does save it, he could easily push that right back in the danger area. Something he did very well uh, to deal with that. But it, it was odd because I really want to talk about the period. I think this is crucial after we get the own goal, right? After we go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. So many times a season, we've seen Fulham sit back and allow the other side to pressure. And then it's that they same kind that. of seesaw game where we, exactly, we go ahead, then we go under the cosh. As you mentioned, all the shots, all the opportunities you had from essentially the 70th minute onward, we didn't let that happen, Russ. No. That's what really um, impressed me, is that we kept pushing. We didn't switch to five at the back. We didn't throw in a, another center back, because we can't now. <laughs> but <laughs> we, we, we played better. No, we can't. I, and even, we, even if we, we wanted to. We tried to get that killer second goal. Exactly. <laughs> even if we wanted to, we couldn't. <laughs> um, maybe throw Stork Ray on there. Let's see what he can do. Um, but <laughs> he, the, the team was looking for that second goal to kill off the match. Yep. We eventually got it late on. But it, the, the period of pressure from Preston... It came. It came in the last five minutes, but it wasn't immediately after. And I think generally, after we scored, we were quite comfortable, save for a couple of nervy moments. It was yep. generally a comfortable second half, which is a rare thing to say for a home game. Totally agree there, my friend. Very good. All right. Giannis, I'm going to give you the honors of uh, 
Bubakar Kamara's goal to end the match. This started off of a, a corner, and I actually thought the match was going to be over at this point, but it continued on, and it was actually a fast break. Him and Cavalero just went on their way, and eventually the ball got back from Cavalero back to Kamara, and he puts it in the back of the net. And uh, the right person scored here, my friend, because, again, he made the run. He showed what he can offer, and I've just been very impressed with Kamara's uh, growth as a player, as a person. Again, if we go back a year ago, would you think that this is the same player, Giannis? This is Abubakar Kamara, and I'm very happy for him that he got the goal here. Well, the poor fellow, after, you know, Metrogate, uh, he got exiled to Turkey, and um, he's obviously done a lot of growing up down there. Uh, I had to. I couldn't stop laughing with the breakaway because he looked like he'd been. He was being chased by a lion. He was running. He was running for his life. It was. It was so quick. And I. I. I get. You got to give credit where it's due. Caballero. You know. Doing what he does to get into the box yeah. to get the ball back. He could have taken it. He's knocked it back. Boo Boo's got the goal, and I'm very pleased for him. And that's. And that's. 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 Um. That's team stuff. And. Yeah. For all the the, the the Parker haters out there, and we you know we've got a few. Um, you, you, when you're looking at a meal, you've got to look at everything, and you've got to get the preparation, the ingredients, the final product. And this is just another example of what Scotty's done behind the scenes. I mean, he, he, unfortunately, we had the Mitrogate last year, and uh, if you looked on Wednesday night, it was more than clear that Mitro was going to take the penalty. There was no arguments from Boo Boo. Which is great, and that, and that which is, we wouldn't have seen last year, and uh, he's obviously done a lot of growing up, and, and he's still a kid. Let's, let's not forget this. You know, this uh, these the, when you're in your twenties, you do silly things and you have silly attitudes and you say silly things, and uh, I really think now the fans have really warmed to Boo Boo, and he's 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 making his statement on the field where it counts, and um, you know anyone that the moan and the groan about the style we play. And there was still some naysayers. There were some naysayers reacting to the game. Well, you know, at least it wasn't parkable. And God, bloody hell, give this guy a break. We're third in the, we're third in the league. We've got 63 points after 36. What the hell do you want? Like really the other two relegated clubs, Huddersfield have won their last two. So now they're up to 42. So they're, they're doing pretty well. Cardiff aren't going to make the playoff spots. Like we're doing, we're third. We take it. We've got a chance at the top two, and yet Parker still has still gets criticised. Whatever he does, people aren't going to like it. I mean, they really got to shut up, support him, support the team, and um, you know, um, we've had a couple of disappointing results. But right, <laughs> if you, it's funny, isn't it? The lot of the guys, the last six weeks, take a look at how the top six teams have been doing against the bottom lot. I mean, Barnsley had a setback yesterday, obviously, but Barnsley have been playing really well. We know all about that. Luton Town, same sort of thing as well. Um, now you've got Middlesbrough in the bottom three because the team, Middlesbrough in the bottom three because teams uh, above them have gone on these, on these lovely little runs. So, you know, you've got to give credit to our manager and how he set us up. And um, the table doesn't lie. 63 no. points is good. <laughs> We are nine points clear of seventh, and we're only five points behind a, a automatic promotion. So we're yep. in a good spot, and I, I love the fact that Bristol City and Brentford are our next two games <laughs> because the pressure's on them. It's not oh, on Oh, it us. is. Oh, it and, totally is. I agree with you, I, yes. I'm more than fancy our chances to go down to 
they did a number on us earlier this season, but I, I more than fancy our chance there. And the fodder, oh, that could be joyous. I'm looking for Brentford and their four supporters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's sort of funny. It makes me laugh because Brentford have never been in the top division. I don't really understand why there is such a compulsion to hate us. They're just a flea on our windscreen. They're just, you know. Oh, they hate us, Giannis. You know us. that. They do. And they're, and they're of no relevance. They're of no relevance. They're not even of relevance to the A4. They're not even of relevance. They're just not relevant. If you, 30 years ago, if you said Brentford, the first people would say nylons, because that's where you buy curtains and towels. <laughs> I still think they're more famous than Brentford. So I hope they come to our ground and I hope we stuff the bollocks out of them. And I hope okay. they finish seventh. I really want them to finish seventh. So close, yet so far. Okay, very good. Just day, my, my rant for the day. <laughs> that's good. Well, I'm going to end with a little rant myself before we go to the stats and end with man of the match. And I'm glad that you brought up Parker because I have a little scratch to itch on that because, again, they've won the last two matches. And here's the thing on this. If you're going to criticize the man whenever they get a draw or whenever they lose and you want to criticize and say Parker out all that, well, then shouldn't you be saying Parker in right now? Because, again, he is a factor in all this, okay? It's the players. The players are out there, but it's still Scott Parker is the manager. So if you're going to criticize them when they're losing or drawing, he should be praised when they win because he is playing a role in this too. And I'll criticize them as well when they lose and when they draw too. But I've accepted that he's the full manager, so he deserves praise when they win. And, uh, and I- I'm sorry. I- that's just how I feel on that, and I just need to say it one more time because – if you want Parker out, that's fine. You have your reasons for it. But when they win, where are you? Where are you now? Yeah. You know, because, again, he he deserves some kind words after these last two matches. He does. And, and I want to also say on a lot of these 1-0 draws, he deserves praise too, along with the players. You win, you lose, you draw as a team. If we're going to criticize Parker, I've also mentioned we need to criticize the players when they're not playing well. It It works both ways. So if the players did well, they deserve the victory. So does Scott Parker and his coaching staff. So I just want to mention that. Okay, guys, we're going to end with talking about the stats and the man of the match. Here are the stats from this match. Fulham had 56% to 44% of the possession. Total shots, 15 to 8 in favor of Fulham. Shots on target, only 4 for Fulham and only 2 for Preston. If you look at the corners, 7 to 3 in favor of Fulham. Crosses, 27 to 19 in favor of Fulham. And if we go a little bit further on, passing accuracy, again, they've, they've been below the 80% marker. They're usually around 80%. They're at 76%, but Preston are at 67%. And if we look at fouls, 11 to 6 in favor of Fulham when it comes to the fouls. Okay, Max, what stands out to you from the full time stats? The big thing for me is shots on target. As you mentioned, you know, we only have four shots on target, so we scored two goals, and Preston only had two. That indicates to me it was a match where there was not much in it, and getting the goal at the crucial time was vital. So not necessarily a great free-flowing match for attacking ability. Keepers didn't have much to do, but we edged it out, and I think we definitely deserved it based on our 15 total shots. Okay. How about you, Giannis? 
same here, really. Total six shots. It was a game of Tom and Jerry, but we expected that. They're a difficult team to break down. Um, they're a functional unit, a professional unit. It was never going to be a blowout either side, and it was going to be a tight contest. They're a much better side than Swansea. I mean, it, it, they, they are a team that always seem to give us some jip for whatever reason, and, and, they, and they're physical too, um, but not dirty physical. But right. They're not, but they're, as I said, a good, un, good professional unit. And I didn't, I'm not surprised there were only six shots in total. Um, so luckily we got four of them. And luckily we got, uh, although Nugent's header, this is an interesting one, Nugent's header, would it count as a shot on target for us, even though we didn't take it? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. That's a great would question. It? Has to be. Has to be. It's in the back of the net. It's a shot. You didn't mention this when you talked about the goal, but I think for a second he just lost himself. He's 34 years old, getting a bit on, and he thought, Maybe. you know what, Let's, let me just flick it on because it was a great header. I don't buy the wind argument. I think he meant that. Okay. <laughs> okay. If he did, then sign him up. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> okay. Excellent stuff, guys. All right. Let's finish up with talking about man of the match. I did a poll this morning on the Cutters Talk. Twitter page. I had 313 votes. So these are a good amount of votes. The candidates I put down for man of the match were Tom Kearney, Michael Hector, Cyrus Christie, and Dennis Sadoy. The results are Tom Kearney had 13%. Dennis Sadoy had 12%. Michael Hector had 23%. Cyrus Christie, 52%. According to the votes on the Cutters Talk Twitter page, he won man of the match from... This poll, my friend. So, Giannis, over to you first. You've already said Cyrus Christie is man of the match. What are your thoughts about the poll results? That's pretty accurate. I mean, I think I think with all four players there, I, I think Arta probably could could have got a mention. I thought he had yeah. a very disciplined game, um, which was pleasing. But but Christie, Christie, yeah. I mean, just the difficulty of coming on in in a tough game, going in and doing what he did. We didn't miss a beat. Could have scored. Um, Proper team player will start on Friday, um, and uh, and does the job. I mean, it's just I can how can we not love Christie? At the same time, you know, recognizing the fact that he came on because JB got injured, and let's hope that uh, keep our fingers crossed he's not gone for too long. Okay, I do want to mention this, and I can't remember the uh, Twitter follower either on my own personal Twitter page or on the Cars Talk Twitter page that had the best comment about Michael Hector, calling him Hector the Protector, Giannis. What are your thoughts about that? I like that. Well, I, I, you know, it, it, it's funny. I I don't know what Chelsea were doing in their evaluation of him. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm being deadly serious here because he is a, a Premier League player. You can, he is quality, absolute quality, decision-making, very good in the air, very good distributor, very calm leader, um, a really, really fine player. We lucked out there. I'm, did Lampard really look at this kid? I don't did know. He, did, but he's sort of, he's a, you know, we talked about when Thomas Callas, and another you know, Chelsea story, Callas was sent out on loan, you know, all those times and never was given a look in. And the same with Hector. And Hector, Callas obviously didn't find it. Well, he found his home at Bristol City. Uh, of course, we've got a reunion with him next week. But, but Hector's found a home here, and, and for a lot of players out there, all they need, God forbid, is a chance. That's right. An, oppor- an, oppor- an opportunity. There's a player um, played uh, against us on Wednesday night for Swansea, Conor Gallagher. Yeah. And 
he was he was out. I know I think it was a bit of furor because he was out on loan to Charlton earlier this year, and then Chelsea recalled him, and then he went to Swansea. He's a good little player, young player too. And you wonder if a player like him is going to get the chance to really bed his roots in it because he's a, a real, real quality player. Or is he going to be sent out of loan somewhere else? You know, the problem you've got a squad of 150 players, they can't all play. That's and right. invariably, with a lot of these clubs, they're really good players that never get a look in for a top, a top side. So I'm delighted, Hector. I think he was, he was outstanding. You know, he helps Ream in terms of, you know, that partnership, the confidence especially when Ring doesn't have such good games. You know, it's happened a few times this year. Um, but if we lose him, if we lose him, you and I are going to have to fly over to London <laughs> and have a quick tryout. Oh, boy. And you, Max, because they're going to need centre-backs from <laughs> somewhere. Cause, because I don't know what happens. If Hector goes down, we're really screwed. Really oh, I screwed. totally agree with that. Can't replace Max him. already mentioned that. Yes, I, I, I agree with Max on that because if they – Lose him, and I'm glad that you brought that up. I don't know what they do. And it's funny because during the match, Cyrus Christie actually came up, and it looked like he might have been injured. Yes. And that really – I'm like, what are they going to do next? If he if he's off injured, again, Stephen Sessian would have had to come on. But how many more injuries can they take? I think they're at their limit. They cannot take any more injuries from the back four. If they do, no. they're screwed. I, I, I agree with all this because – it is a little nervous time because of all the injuries. It's a great point. Max, over to you. Thoughts on uh, man of the match? I'm going to say uh, Hector, actually. Okay. Uh, because there, was, there wasn't really one standout performer. I think Christie maybe has a really good case for it. But I think Hector um, was excellent again. Hector the protector. Uh, I you love like that, that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the one thing that stands out to me is in the first half when a, a cross came in. It was actually right when Brian got injured. And the defense looked like it was at its most vulnerable. Hector blocks the first shot, gets right back up after sliding, and blocks the second shot to force the corner. That was just amazing effort for me. That thumps him up. Not only does he do the first thing, gets right back up, doesn't just congratulate himself, dusts himself yeah. off, and goes and does the second thing. Um, yeah. a, a, exceptional effort. And he started um, the fast to... break, by the way, for the second and goal. He, yeah. Well said. Yeah, that, that was crazy. Let's just take it back to August. I mean, transfer deadline day, what it was, like the 9th or 8th of August. I know. Three I, or four I keep minutes, seeing this on Twitter. I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know it's a revolutionary thing to say, but if that just gets done an hour, two hours earlier, if Tony Khan maybe doesn't take a nap that day, and, and I'm, I'm only kidding, but if <laughs> someone's a bit quicker, are we in first, guys? Are we in second? Well, he's made that much of a difference. He really has. Far, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but it has to be said the clean sheets, the way the defense has looked since Hector's been in, I mean, this signing could be priceless. And what, what if it just happened at the beginning of the season? Listen, people yeah. point this match out as a great example. The draw against Sheffield Wednesday. Does that happen if Michael Hector is there? And the answer is pro- maybe not. You know, and again, it's it's situations like that. I'm sorry, Giannis, do you have something you, you wanted to share? No, I was going to say, we. I, I, I think we should be. I think we would be in top two. Okay. I really do. I, re- I really do. I think he's, I think he's that class. I mean, it's, it's, just the moment he steps on the field for us, we, you know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll flush, we'll flush the Barnsley defeat down the down the toilet with the rest of the rest of the turds. But um, that part, I mean, we've he's been absolute, we've been absolutely magnificent with him, and he's he's done a fantastic job. Yes. If I got one criticism, if I have one criticism of him, and it is minor, uh, I'd like to see him score a goal because he's very good in the air. Like I agree with I that. Think he's got a plastic that gets something. Get, but. 
that maybe he's going to save that for the big game. <laughs> Let's hope so, my friend. Great show. Great show by the two of you. I really enjoyed it. Before we go, just want to mention once again to check out the Come On You Whites app. You can download that for your iPhone or your Android. Check it out. The show will be on there, and they have some great articles as well. Please check out the Come On You Whites app. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of College Talk. For my co-hosts, Matt Cohen and Yashines, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you, as always, for listening to College Talk. For Fulham fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Plan your match day with our GPS travel planner, taking you to the best pubs, restaurants and hotels home and away. Download the free COY Whites app now from the App Store and Google Play. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered. By fans.